0: To the Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse by verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of the Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the redemptive work of Jesus Christ as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Let's get into the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is a Marvelous book of prophecy. Of course, it is the longest book of prophecy in the Bible. And it would seem that God gave to Isaiah a clearer vision of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ than any other of the Old Testament prophets. He writes much concerning the Messiah that is to come. In the first verse, it tells us the historical time of his prophecies, beginning when Uzziah was king of Judah, which puts it about 760 B.C. And he lived through the succeeding reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and into Hezekiah's reign, and there is some conjecture that he lived through Hezekiah's reign unto the reign of Hezekiah's son Manasseh, who was an extremely wicked king, and there are some. Stories that Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, ordered Isaiah to be sawed in two. And that in the New Testament, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, where it tells us about the Old Testament heroes, it's interesting, the New Testament in Hebrews calls them men of faith, but Some of the modern evangelists today would tell you they lacked faith because it tells you how they suffered. And it's amazing that the men of greatest faith were marked by their suffering. And it tells how they were imprisoned, how they were stoned. And it does say how they were sawn asunder or sawed in two. And there are those that believe that that is a reference to the fate of Isaiah under the king Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah. But Isaiah names these kings through Hezekiah as the kings under which he served. In the Old Testament, if you go back to 2nd Chronicles beginning with chapter 26 and on through to chapter 32 you will get the historic background for Isaiah's prophecies because in 2nd Chronicles chapter 26 through 32 these kings their reigns are listed And for special credit for the course, you'll go back and read 2 Chronicles 26 through 32 in order to best understand the prophecies of Isaiah as they fit in their historic setting. There is always a tremendous value in understanding the message of the prophet to read it in the contextual historic background things that were happening to the nation at the time that he was prophesying. It would appear that the first five chapters of Isaiah are during the reign of Uzziah. Uzziah was a very popular king. In chapter 6, Isaiah records the death of Uzziah and the resultant effect that it had upon his own life. So the first five chapters are probably written during the time of the reign of Uzziah, who was a very popular king, a very prosperous king over Judah. So it is the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which is not the same as the prophet Amos, different Greek or Hebrew word, that he saw concerning Judah, Jerusalem, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. Now it's as though man isn't listening anymore. It's as though Israel isn't giving heed to the word of the prophet. So he calls unto the heavens and unto the earth to hear. Have you ever sat in a conversation and you're talking and you look up and no one's paying any attention to what you're saying? You know, they're they're in conversation and you discover that you've just been talking and and no one's paying any attention. Quite often in a restaurant, you know, I'll be talking, then I'll look up and no one's paying any attention to what I say. So I pick up the vase of flowers in the middle and I say, now as I was saying, I really think that, you know... (laughs) And it's like people aren't listening anymore, so he says, Hear, O heavens! Give ear, O earth! Man isn't listening to the word of God. So he's calling the heavens and the earth to bear witness to what the Lord hath spoken. And God gives here his indictment against the nation of Judah. Now, it is interesting that as you read it in its historic context, Uzziah was a fairly good king. It would seem that under his reign, there was an outward revival among the people. They were going to temple. They were observing the Sabbaths, and under Uzziah's reign, they were also observing the feast days, the Passovers and all. And though there was an outward form of religion, yet the Lord is calling out to the nation because underneath of it, God had this indictment against Judah at the time. I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me. So God's first indictment is that his own children have rebelled against him. It is interesting that God gives this figure of father and children to the nation of Judah at this time. Even as we still see the same figure as we are children of God, But God said he has nourished these children, but they've rebelled against him. I've brought forth these children, I've nourished them, and now they're rebelling against me. They've become worse than animals. For the ox knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know my people doth not consider. In other words, at least an animal has enough innate sense. An ox, can we say a dumb ox? But an ox has enough sense to know his owner. A donkey has enough sense to know his master's crib. In Jerusalem, a crime was committed and the Criminal in escaping Left his donkey at the scene of the crime And the detective who happened to know a little bit of scripture Who was examining the case Came and said well just turn the donkey loose And he followed him (laughs) And led him to his master's crib And the man was apprehended Donkey has enough sense to know his master's crib But God said Israel doesn't know My people Do not consider They have not taken God into consideration That God has been providing for them They don't know me, God is complaining As I said this morning How long would you keep a dog If it would attack you viciously Every time you went in your backyard (laughs) He didn't know his owner He didn't know who was buying the dog food You'd have to throw his food out the window. <laughs> For every time you go out in the backyard, he'd come attacking you viciously, biting at you. But yet, if strangers or a burglar would come into the yard, he'd go up wagging his tail and greeting him. How long do you think you'd keep a dog like that? Well, I'll tell you, I'd get rid of a dog like that in a hurry. Think how patient God has been with some of you Think of how long-suffering God is Even an animal has enough sense To know his owner To know his master's crib To know where his provisions are coming from But God says, my people haven't considered Israel doesn't know me The third indictment that God has against them is that they become a sinful nation, a people who are loaded down with iniquity. They are a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger And they have gone away backwards or they have backslidden. They've gone away backwards from God. They're not going forward toward God, going backward from God. What a heavy indictment God lays upon them here. And then God questions, why should you be stricken anymore? Now, they had already been suffering. The condition of the nation was vastly deteriorating, weakening, Their enemies had been coming in. They had lost a vast amount of their treasure. They had lost a vast amount of their cities. They were in a period of decline. And God said, why should you receive any more stripes? Why should you be stricken any more? Why is it that you revolt still or more and more for the whole head is sick? And the whole heart is faint, and from the sole of the foot to the top of the head There is no soundness in it, but there are wounds and bruises and putrefying sores They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment Here's a nation, battered, bruised, bleeding Because they have turned their backs on God And God has allowed the judgment, the chastisement to come to his children. But still, they're not learning the lesson. Still, they're not turning to God. Why should you be stricken still? Why should it have to go on? And and the whole idea is turn to God. Now, I've always said that, you know, you can make it easy on yourself or make it hard on yourself. And some people just make it hard on themselves. In a few chapters, we are going to read, Woe unto those who strive with their maker. Whenever you strive with God, you're making it hard on yourself. You're going to hurt. You're going to come out the loser. Why Why should you be stricken anymore, God said. Covered with bruises. Now God turns and he speaks of the desolation of the land. Deals first of all with the people. As a result of their sin, the land has been ravaged. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Now this is equivalent to the wounds and the bruises and putrefying sores. He's he's just talking about how, how the nation has been ravaged. Your land, the strangers devoured in your presence. It is desolate, it's overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, become isolated and just alone, like a city that's under siege. Except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we would have been likened to Gomorrah. Unless God had spared the small remnant that was left, they would have been totally wiped out, as was Sodom and Gomorrah. They would have been devastated. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. So God here is, he he brings up the reference of Sodom and Gomorrah, the destruction by God's judgment. And now he speaks of Jerusalem as being Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, In Revelation, John picks up the same figure and uses, which is spiritually Sodom, he said, concerning Jerusalem, where the bodies of the prophets are slain. To what purpose, God said, is the multitude of your sacrifice? Now he gets into the religious aspects of their life. And getting into the religious aspects, God shows that the outward form of religion is without value. God isn't interested in religious forms. God is interested in your heart. The attitude of your heart is far more important to God than the actions. There are many people who are going through the right actions but have the wrong attitudes. And that's a sad condition. God is interested in the attitude of your heart. Of course, this is certainly manifested in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus speaks of the importance of attitude. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I'm full of burnt offerings of rams, the fat of fed beasts. I delight not in the blood of bullocks or in lambs or of he goats. When you have come to appear before me, who's required this at your hand to tread in my courts? I didn't ask you to come, God says. Who invited you into my courts? They were coming. They were still going through the religious exercises. They were still observing the Sabbaths and the new moons and the feast days. But God said, hey, I'm full up with your sacrifice. That's not what I want. David said, sacrifice an offering thou wouldst not, else I would give it, but a contrite heart, O Lord, that you will not turn away. This after his sin with Bathsheba and his in his 51st Psalm, Prayer of Forgiveness. Sacrifices and offerings, Lord, you're not really interested in, but the contrite, broken and contrite heart, Lord, you're not going to turn away. God is interested in the broken and contrite heart much more than you're bringing some sacrifice to him. We look at the evil of the church and the church history, that gave the impression to man that he could buy the forgiveness of his sins. That it's all right just as long as you make a healthy contribution. You know, we'll pat you on the back and say, Fine fellow, sit down here in the front row, you know. Got your name with a gold star on the, or on the window, your crystal, you got your name over here, you know. You've donated, you're in good standing. It's been the curse of the church to make men feel comfortable thinking that because of their contributions at all that they're well accepted and God has an open-door policy. Not God's interested in the heart. God said, hey, I've had it up to here with sacrifice. I didn't ask you to come in. Who invited you into my courts? Who required you to come along? Don't bring me any more these vain oblations. Your incense is an abomination unto me. And the new moons and the Sabbaths and the calling of the assemblies, I cannot away with it. It's iniquity even in your solemn meetings, even in your sacred services. They're just filled with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They are a trouble. I'm weary to bear them. Oh, how God is just... So sick of the religious forms if your heart isn't in it. And when you spread forth your hands. Now, of course, this is in their prayer. As they would come to the time in the solemn assembly to pray, they would spread forth their hands to heaven. And God said, when you stretch forth your hands, that is in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, when you make many prayers, I will not hear for your hands are full of blood. Here God himself declares that there are certain prayers that he's not going to listen to. People who are spreading forth their hands towards God. But God said, hey, I'm not going to hear. Why? Because your hands are full of blood. God does answer prayer That's the basic thrust of prayer That's why we continue to pray And that's our encouragement for prayer But it is true that there are prayers That God doesn't hear David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart The Lord does not hear me when I pray In the 59th chapter of Isaiah It says, God's hand is not short that he cannot save Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear But your sins have separated between you and God God is saying, when you stretch forth your hands, that is to pray, and you offer your prayers, I'm not going to hear them, for your hands are full of blood.
0: We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 1 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. While you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org.
1: May the Lord watch over you and keep you in His love and in His grace. May the Lord cause you to abound in every good work for Jesus Christ. And may the Lord grant to you new dimensions of relationship with Him that you might become more keenly aware of His presence with you and His power to help you. May God bless you. May you have just a fruitful, blessed vision walking with Jesus Christ. This program
0: has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Guess what? I just got a new book by Pastor Chuck Smith. What? Pastor Chuck doesn't write books for kids, just big people. Yeah, he does. Hey, I heard about that too. My mom told me about it. It's called the story of Noah. And not only that, Pastor Chuck even read it to me. Pastor Chuck read you the book? Yep, and he can read it to you too. The Story of Noah is the first of four children's books Pastor Chuck has written for kids three years of age and up. It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless Bible stories filled with exciting facts and practical application for kids taught by Pastor Chuck. And as a gift, each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck actually reading the story of Noah so your kids can read along. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORK. Or to see a sneak preview of the story of Noah, also now available as an iBook digital download, you can visit us online at thewordfortoday.org. Again, the number to call 1-800-272-WORD.